Hey guys, <laughs> welcome to another episode of More Than a Podcast. This is your host James. Welcome back. Uh, glad to see you guys uh, tuning in for another episode. Always awesome to have you here. So let's get started. Um, you know, when we think about you know the best times that we have experienced. Usually we think about it in the context of video games or we think about it in, uh, you know, the way that we say like, oh, what, you know, what era had the best movies or the best television shows? Um, you know, it's it's always an argument and it's not, it, you know, it's usually a fruitful argument. It's never, ever anything where I feel like people are going to come to blows about a particular situation but one thing one thing that i can say that usually gets a uh equal consensus is that the 90s were always awesome okay and it could be because you know between <clears throat> between you know generation x and z and you know moving forward you know a lot of people have had experience especially in the realm of nostalgia, you know, because in these days it's kind of like everything's, you know, everything has uh, found a way to be preserved in such a manner to where it's almost like it's brand new. Um, you know, people can play video games that, you know, don't necessarily get lost in the shadow because, you know, there's emulation and there's, uh, you know, uh, console releases as far as like re-releases and whatnots. And, you know, there's always a way for people to stay invested in different points of time, which I think is really cool. Um, but I don't think it helps the argument when it comes down to what was the best era? What was the what was the best decade? What, you know, within within a decade, what was just so awesome that, you know, you just can't deny that, hey, look, we we, we had a run at it and we kind of topped it off and really just put it to a position where no other decade could, could uh, be on top. And I, I personally am one that will advocate and say the nineties were the best decade that the world has ever seen period point blank. So what's the proof in my pudding? Uh, well, as you know, the podcast that I'm that I am, you know, a lot of what I talk about is based on video games, but a lot of it does have to do with pop culture. So uh, we're going to just basically go through the 90s. We're going to kind of time travel and we're going to see, you know, what were the best games in the 90s? What were the best toys that, you know, we had in the 90s? What were the best shows that we were watching in the 90s? Even, you know, food and drinks, like what were we kind of like, you know, hamming out on? And like, what were like just some random just 90s trivia or just random 90 happenings that, you know, really made our, our era stand out? So buckle up and get ready because this is the 90s. Um, So it's really funny because uh, I, I was thinking about games and, you know, the reason I think the 90s was such a good era as far as video games are concerned is because in 87, when Nintendo basically turned the entire industry upside down and said, you know what, we, we run 
everything and we're going to basically set a new standard uh the 90s was a time for other people to come in and challenge that 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 uh thought and also just basically take you know uh, take advantage of the open uh, the open space that Nintendo had really just kind of given everybody to kind of plant their seeds and, and grow into the companies that they are today. Um, and we I mean, I, I just I honestly just don't think that there was ever another decade that really executed like the 90s. I think from 90 to 99, we have had some of the best games, regardless of what Halos you may say or what Dark Souls you may talk about. Like, there's so much that happened in the 90s because I believe that the 90s was the pinnacle of when gaming was at its highest point, when it was really just kind of at its peak. And it was speaking volumes to not only kids, but everybody. So let's get into it. So what I want to go through, and this is my little build-up list. And it was really funny because I was actually drawn at this list. And I said, oh, I'll just name one game from, you know, 90 to 99. I'll just name one game. No, it can't happen. You know, because there were so many awesome games, especially as we get into the latter part of the 90s, that... If I only mentioned one game from from one part of the decade, everybody would just be up in arms and they'll say, oh, my God, you know, he didn't say, you know, this game. So what I did is I basically just did it to the point where I said, let's just mention three. OK, so we're going to go through the entire decade of the 90s and I'm going to name three games in each point of the 90s that really set a standard in that era. So let's do it. So in 1990, all right, in 1990, I don't know how old you were. I know how old I was. But some notable games that stuck out uh, in 1990 was, uh, let's say this, Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse. I don't know how many of you played that game, but that game is awesome. That is one game where I didn't really have much interest or should I say much understanding of Mickey Mouse as a character but I didn't need it because the game was just fun it was just stupid fun it was stupid fun and it's probably one of my games in like my top 25 top 50 maybe um Final Fantasy 1 uh in 1990 um we also had um Mega Man 3 in 1990, which that was, uh, <laughs> I still remember that was one of the games that I asked for for my birthday in 1990. And um, it was based on the fact that with Mega Man 1 and 2, um, I borrowed both those games. They were that Those were games I did not own, but I they definitely fostered the love that I had for the series. And it got me to the point where when I was able to buy a game, I bought Mega Man 3. So, yeah, that was the 90s. Uh, that was 1990. Uh, 91 saw the release of Street Fighter 2. So Street Fighter 2 is a really big one because uh, this was still an era where the arcade was super important to gamers. And, um, you know, Street Fighter 1, while it was very creative and very, um, you know, 
it, it did it was definitely a, a trailblazing game within its inception it wasn't really executed until they hit two once street fighter 2 came out i mean it was completely a different type of game and in 91 if you were a kid that wasn't in an arcade then you probably lived a very sheltered life or you probably weren't born yet so yeah that was that's one thing that happened in 91 also the legend of zelda a link to the past uh came out and also super mario world um i don't need to say much i mean people can argue and people can say you know what mario game they believe is the best in the series but to me um super mario world is the absolute best i i think it's better than super mario 3 okay and i think it's absolutely better than mario 64 um and i don't think that there's ever been another mario game uh except maybe odyssey which has really reached the pinnacle that super mario world did I mean, Super Mario World was just on a whole different level. And that's just, I, I mean, I'm sticking with it. I'm just, I'm really sticking with it. Um, 92, that's when we saw the introduction of a little guy named Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, and we also saw the uh, one of the first subsidiaries of Mario, which was Super Mario Kart, which has gone on to spawn one of the biggest franchises in the history of gaming. And uh, 92 also uh, saw Mortal Kombat. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, like, again, if you were in the arcade, uh, Mortal Kombat was a thing. And this was the, uh, you know, one of the first forays out into uh, digitizing, uh, you know, actors to portray characters in a game. And it was completely new to the eye. I mean, I still remember the day that I walked into an arcade and saw that and I was just floored completely floored i mean there was nothing that any other game could have done to be as good as what mortal kombat was upon their release they really uh struck while that iron was hot uh in 93 uh we saw the release of nba jam another arcade classic and uh i mean all i have to say is he's on fire and you know exactly what game i'm talking about uh when it came out to systems yeah it was cool but it was the best in the arcade i just really enjoyed because it was one of those games where you didn't necessarily need to be very good to play the game and win um you know it was just all out arcade fun and yeah i mean just all of the little uh quirky little comments and and uh commentary that happened in the game just made it really awesome and just fun to go to the arcade and play but it was really cool when they came when they uh did hit the uh systems but i think when they hit the systems what was really cool was when they hit with the uh tournament edition because uh one thing that was really good uh, you know at that point in the 90s was uh kids and teens alike were really into uh finding out the secrets what what's the secret what is the uh what's the thing that's behind you know the curtain you know and so with um with nba jam tournament edition it was really cool because they had a load of secrets i mean they had all kinds of things that you could just unlock i mean whether it was always being on fire um whether you were playing as 
uh, Bill Clinton and Al Gore or Jazzy Jeff and the French Prince. I mean, it was just so much stuff that you could unlock in that game, and it was just totally awesome. Uh, Doom came out uh, in 93 as well, and also uh, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, which, you know, by many fans' standard, is probably one of the best uh Zelda games that has ever been released but that's arguable to a lot of people's points I personally personally have only ever invested my time into Breath of the Wild and I'm not ashamed to say that you know um, just the same way as I'm not ashamed to say that I haven't invested much time into Metroid Um, Nintendo was you know when Nintendo was big uh, in the very very beginning in their inception uh it was all about Mario, and there was nothing that could sway me from Mario, aside from Ryu Hayabusa and uh, Ninja Gaiden and the Goonies too. But you know, outside of that, it was like I wasn't really interested in anything else. But you know, you 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 could say it's to my detriment, but you know, hey, I mean, there's always a backlog, and there's always a way to go back and play those games. Um, ninety four. Uh, saw the release of Earthworm Jim, which was one of the funniest and most awesome games uh, released. And what was really cool about Earthworm Jim is that they did not, uh, you know, at that time, you know, at all, actually, you know, in any of their releases, um, they never, you know, showed a bias to any one system. I mean, it came out for everybody and it was a very wide release. And so everyone had a chance to experience you know, Earthworm Jim, and he literally became, you know, more of a mascot for both systems uh, from Nintendo and Sega um, to challenge, you know, the characters of Mario and Sonic. He was that big. I mean, Earthworm Jim became a very iconic character. Um, One of the other uh, games that came out uh, in 94 was Warcraft. So for PC gamers out there, you probably had your first taste of uh, Warcraft. I didn't catch on to Warcraft until Warcraft 3 um, because that's when they started coming out with some super cool expansions. And um, then they kind of ushered in to their online game of uh, World of Warcraft. Um, Final Fantasy 6 also came out in 94. Um, this game released well before... I had a chance to experience it. Um, I didn't experience Final Fantasy VI until um, I went to high school. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember I tell the story all the time. It was an Asian friend who actually let me on to Final Fantasy. Without him, I probably would never know the series as anything. Um, and he sat there and he played and I just watched him and... You know, it was just it, it was very confusing, but it was extremely alluring. And uh, it was the very first time I ever saw Final Fantasy. So what was really crazy was that Final Fantasy seven had come out and it came out for the Sony PlayStation. And, you know, I was known as the person who would just complete anything. So people would literally come to me like a vet and say, I can't beat this game here. And they, th- these are different days. <laughs> they they have no correlation to, to today. People don't do this today. But <laughs> I would have my friends at my door with their system in hand, wires, controllers, everything, video game, whatever. And they would say, I can't beat this boss. I have it on my memory card. 
please beat it. They would never stay over to watch me do it either. They would just say, beat the game for me, please. And that's and it's really funny because that's literally how we operate it. And I mean, other friends may have operated differently, you know. Um, you know, I know that in my personal experience with Gran Turismo, I could never get the licenses. So what did I do? I sent my system and everything along with it down the street to my friend's house and said, get me all the licenses because all I want to do is race, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's kind of like that's just, you know, that's what I love about gaming culture is that it's evolved from such uh, modest beginnings because everybody's had a different way that they operated as far as uh, playing games. But um, we move on to 95, which 95 was like a really pivotal year. And I think it was probably one of the best years for video games in 95. We got Tekken 2 which is probably one of the better fighting games outside of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat to ever be created. Some would argue Soul Calibur, but I would stick with Tekken 2. Um, also, Twisted Metal uh, premiered and was a super good game, so different. Um, they didn't hit their stride until they got to 2, but that's just a different story. And, um, you know, as far as a swan song uh, with the Super Nintendo uh chrono trigger came out in 95 so and that's a classic 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 uh role-playing game that a lot of people have played a lot of people kind of put on the pedestal as being one of the best rpgs if not the best rpg ever created i haven't played through it i want to but you know it's there it's not going anywhere i'll get time um 96 was a good year. Um, 96, we saw the release of Super Mario 64. And uh, that was just a jump that everybody was waiting for. Everybody needed. Um, if you stuck, uh, if you stuck behind a little bit, um, you know, you were playing Super Mario RPG. And also for the PlayStation, uh, Tomb Raider 1996 release. Tomb Raider, Laura Croft, uh, her first uh, foray out the door uh, was in 96 and uh, again I think that it wasn't until she hit her stride in maybe two and three uh, but you know to be introduced at that time really really cool um, 97 uh, was the year that Diablo first came out and also uh, Turok on the Nintendo 64 Turok the Dinosaur Hunter that was a cool game. That was uh, kind of made in the mode of a Doom, Quake type of uh, game. A little bit more substance. Um, well, not, I wouldn't say more substance, but look, they, they traded out uh, demons for dinosaurs. So, you know, it was uh, what it was, but it was extremely fun. Uh, and it was probably one of the better uh, first-person shooters that I played back then. Um, also, Gran Turismo came out that year. So the uh, first Gran Turismo hit the Sony PlayStation. And, you know, without that first game, we wouldn't have the awesome series that is here now. Um, we move right along to 1998. And I think I think personally, 98 was the best year within that decade. Because here's my list. Here, here's what came out as far as pivotal games. Half-Life. Okay, done. Nothing else to talk about. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. Stop. Nothing else to talk about. And Resident Evil 2. So Resident Evil 1 was good. I think that came out in 95. Uh, 
and in 98 they came out with two and it was just it was the perfect jump they landed a 10 out of 10 and that is one of the games people ask me all the time what's the game that you could just play over and over and not think about it resident evil 2 i can beat that with my eyes closed I can beat it on both stories. The only thing, the only thing is, is that I can never ever, because I was never a speed runner at the time, and I still am not. So I don't even know why I said at the time I'm not a speed runner. So I've never had the joy of unlocking uh, a hunk or a tofu in the original uh, Resident Evil, because I don't know. Like I, I just, I kind of just. I had my ways that I stuck to. I knew what worked for me and I just continued to do what worked. I didn't try to get better. It was just kind of like, let me just go through the motion so I can just see the same dialogue. I'm memorizing the dialogue and this is just great. And me and my friends, we would sit back and we would laugh about the dialogue all the time because it was just stupid funny and it sucked really bad. And whatever acting that they thought that they put out there, um, was never going to be on par with any Hollywood movie or any other game for that matter. It was just really, really bad. Uh, but, you know, it, it was all good fun. I think in the 90s, one of the biggest things was that voice acting was extremely bad for video games. But, you know, that's another topic. Um, and in 1999, ending the decade uh, in just one year, um, we saw the release of Shinmu. We also saw the release of EverQuest, so EverQuest being uh, one of the uh, one of the big MMO uh, RPGs available, and then a little game came out. Nobody really paid attention to it. wasn't really that popular. Uh, called Super Smash Brothers. So yeah, that was 1999 as far as uh, as far as games were concerned. Um, yeah, like I don't know. And I don't think there was never I don't think there was ever a better decade for video games because everything I just listed was like a 10 out of 10 off the top. And that's just facts. Like, I don't even want to argue about it. There's nothing to discuss. And I'm telling you right now, you, there's no era or no point of an era that you can ever tell me can be comparable to 1998 with Half-Life, Metal Gear Solid, and Resident Evil 2. There's nothing that can compare to 1998. Okay? Like, nothing. Like, there's no other year. I don't care when Halo came out. I don't care when Nathan Drake first hit. I don't care when they redid Laura Croft. Nothing is better than the year 1998. I don't even care if you're a historian and you say, well, the first year was 1950 and they made Pong. No. When they made Metal Gear, when Hideo Kojima made Metal Gear Solid, that changed everything. Period. Everything. Because without a solid... You wouldn't have Sons of Liberty. Without Sons of Liberty, you wouldn't have a Snake Eater. You know, without Snake Eater, you wouldn't have Guns of the Patriots. Without Guns of the Patriots, you wouldn't have the Phantom Pain, okay? Like, let's think about these things. Like, there are some things that you have to just give it its space and let it grow and flourish and be what it is. And that is the era that did just that. You know, now, I mean, I will say that with the exception that Half-Life didn't quite become the half-life that we wanted i mean we're all still waiting for three probably never gonna happen but it is what it is but with resident evil we've got all the way to freaking eight what are we doing we're on village we're gonna get a new one and we're still messing with the same exact characters they never get old 
what kind of what time is it i don't know but uh moving right along thinking about uh when we weren't locked in our rooms when we were outside playing with our friends because that was a big thing back in the 90s you know if uh i'm speaking correctly for the majority of us you know being outside was a cool thing it was actually something to do you know i remember getting back home from school and making a a marathon race through my homework so that i could get some time to go out and powwow with my friends and um you know going outside with your friends you know it be you know was always one of those things like well what am i going to take outside to kind of you know be the um you know be the entertainment factor of what we're hanging out for you know because i mean yeah it was always cool to talk and it was always cool to hang out and just just bs and whatever but it was really really cool when your friends like had something to show you um you know as far as like what you can play with now i'm not dating these these are just going to kind of go off the handle um and the reason why is because i just think that sporadically there was just so much awesomeness when it came to toys um back in the 90s like i just want you guys to just be like oh yeah i remember that uh tamagotchis so i don't know how many of you had tamagotchis i had a tamagotchi I didn't need a Tamagotchi, but I totally got a Tamagotchi. I bought a girlfriend a Tamagotchi. Like, those things were crazy. So if you don't know, what the heck is a Tamagotchi? It is basically a virtual pet. It is a virtual game where you take care of a pet that, you know, hatches or is uh, given to you from day one. And you were responsible for playing with it, for feeding it, for taking out its crap when it craps all over your house. And the funny thing is, is that if you, you know, for, uh, you know, a little while neglect your pet, then it dies and then you're sad and mad. And it's just a really traumatic experience for any child. But they were super awesome. I loved Tamagotchis. Um, it was a, it was one of those things where it was it was a it was a, um, you know, it was a very uh centric part of growing up you know as a teen as a kid in that era it was just one of those things where you went to school and you had your keychain or whatever or maybe it was around your neck you had your tamagotchi period like there was just never going to be a time as a kid that you were just going to just go through school and not have a tamagotchi if you didn't have a tamagotchi you just didn't care about life or taking care of the life of anything else. But yeah, um, I, I, you know, I would say for the sake of those who didn't have Tamagotchis, you're probably a better, more decent person to walk in the world because you didn't have an animal die on you. So um, next up was Pogs. Now, I don't know how many of you know what Pogs are, but I know what Pogs are and some people may know what Pogs are. But let me tell you what Pogs are, because this is one of my like passions from when I was a kid. Right. So this is going to sound super weird, but it can't be as weird as baseball cards or Magic the Gathering cards or Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Pokemon cards because it's all what? Cardboard. Now, Pogs were little uh, little uh, circles of cardboard. And what they did, especially when they became very popular they they articulated these pogs uh with 
different characters and different cartoons and things of that nature. So, like, you can get Pogs and uh, Power Rangers was a thing back then. So you can get Pogs and they can just go over the entire cast of, of uh, you know, Power Rangers. So, you, you know, you go and you buy packs of Pogs and it's like, oh, I got the Red Ranger. I got the Green Ranger. I have... Uh, you know, I have the Megazord or, or just whatever the case. And you collect Pogs. And the cool thing about collecting Pogs was that like any any other viable card game, you, you, you left it up to chance. So what do I mean? When I was a child, we, you know, I would take my Pogs and I would take them to school um, or sometimes after school and whatever. And we would play the game now. Pogs can be played in different ways, but the way that I used to play it was that um, me and my opponent, we would uh, we would wager, and our wager was just based on just the randomest number. So we would probably say 25, okay? So that's 25 of my cardboard little circles and 25 of his, so that would make a, a tower of 50, and as a kid, what's funny is that you knew out of those 25, you knew exactly which 25 were yours. Because if anything went bogus, you were able to say, these are my 25. Didn't matter if you mixed them up, shuffled them up, whatever. You knew your 25. You knew your 25 pogs. Um, and so what you would do is you would stack up your, your stack, right? Uh, with with theirs so there will be like like i said 25 to 25 that will be 50 uh cardboard pieces stacked together it's one one big stack and then you guys would take turns uh slamming down what what's called a slammer and a slammer is another circular piece um but it's made of a material could be plastic uh could be uh uh metal it, it was just all different types of uh uh you know, um, materials. Some people said that certain materials did better for them or worse or whatever. I really didn't care. It was just a game. And what you would do is you would, you would strategically slam them on top of the pile of cardboard. The cardboards would, uh, bounce up and they would land on the ground and anything that landed face up was yours, was yours, period. If it was face up, it was yours. And there were other caveats. There were like things we used to have, like that we used to, uh, have these things called lucky frogs. So like if you if you flipped a lucky frog over and it was face up, even with your first slam, that basically meant your opponent got everything and got to choose a slammer from you because usually like you brought more than one slammer. Um, and so a lucky frog basically was just like a way of saying, Haha, you didn't see me put in a lucky frog. You flipped my lucky frog. Now I'm going to take all the pogs that, that are out here for the game, and I'm choosing one of your slammers. And that's how we played. That that was just one of the big things. So, yeah, pogs, super fun, super big back then. Totally died out really quick, probably a little too fast. Uh, trolls were big, too, in the 90s. Uh, if you don't know what trolls were, they were these little uh, plastic dolls that had uh, different... Uh, types of uh, different colors of hair and jewels in their bellies they actually what you guys have seen like today you know a lot of you guys are watching the troll movies and stuff like that these little toys were based on those movies that you watch today um yeah so we used to collect those and they were highly collectible um you know and it you know they 
I guess for some intents and purposes, maybe some trolls meant something as far as like the color that you had or whatever. I really didn't care. I think I probably had about one or two. But, you know, again, it was one of those big things that, you know, when they said collect, you went out and you collected. Um, Furbies were huge back in the holidays of the 90s. Uh, this is probably one of the uh, originators of, you know, the Black Friday fights that you guys watch on YouTube. Um, you know, Furbies were something that every single kid wanted. And parents were trying to get out there and make sure that their kids had Furbies. And the, yeah, I, I, I really think that with that, that's what started, you know, the Black Friday crazes because, you know, everybody was trying to get their get their hands on on a single item and, and there just wasn't enough. Um, the Power Ranger figures. So um, I don't know how many of you ever felt crazy about the Power Rangers when they first came to the domestic shores uh, if you're in America. But I know that that was a huge thing. Early 90s. Power Rangers hit the scene. They're on television. They're like nothing that we've ever seen. It's like live action Voltron and kids were just loving it. And kids could not wait to get their hands on toys. Toys that articulated their fantasies with the Power Rangers. And they finally released these Power Rangers. And I'm going to tell you from experience, it was challenging trying to get every single ranger that you could i think i probably got black ranger red ranger green ranger never got pink or yellow did have blue and then you know when the white ranger came out that was another big thing white ranger exploded he was probably bigger than michael jackson at that time and yeah another toy that just sold beyond what people expected it was just crazy power rangers was a huge thing and it was uh just as huge as the talk boy uh if you know what the talk boy is uh it's kind of like the walk man uh but in reverse this was a little uh system little doodad that they created for a movie that was famous around the time uh, called Home Alone 2. And in the sequel, uh, Kevin McAllister used a little handheld recorder that he would slow down on the voice and make it sound like, you know, a grown up that was in the house. Um, and it was just a really, uh, really cool novel idea back at the time, especially for a kid. If you're a high pitched, you know, voice child and you grab yourself uh, a talk boy and you're able to, uh, you know, go from like 13 to 30 like that was a cool feeling so i remember i used to do that i used to use it on the phone and i mean it was lame most people weren't that gullible but it was fun because it was just kid stuff so yeah talk boy was an amazing toy um i don't know what you were doing during the summer but i know what i was doing during the summer now listen there's nothing wrong with going to the park filling up a couple of buckets of water or pushing somebody in a lake or if you're at the house and you're pushing somebody in the pool or if you're uh, filling up water balloons and tossing them at people's heads, that's all cool stuff. But I'm telling you now, 
you did not live a childhood if you didn't have a super soaker. Super soakers were huge back then. And what was really funny was that, you know, from a marketing stance, they did a heck of a job because their super soaker 50 was the it was the general model everybody had a super soaker 50 it you know I, I can tell you this because i remember the color specifically it was basically like lime green on neon yellow on orange it was the most 90s colored gun that you could ever have and everybody had them and they were just super awesome and you know, not to take anything away from the classic ways of playing in summertime, but it changed the way that summer went for a lot of kids, especially me. And I remember like summers going past, we like super soakers just got better. Every summer that came around, they had a new super soaker. And one that I remember and, and my brother had asked for it and uh, he got it. It was a super soaker 200. And this one was just crazy. It was like because because in the 50, you know, you had your one bottle and it was about it was about the size of like a a liter soda or two liter soda. Um, this one had uh, this one had two barrels that were the size of two liter sodas. So, you know, you're, you're walking around with like four liters of water and uh, and it had a double double nozzles in the front. So it sprayed, you know, two two different directions or sprayed one person just double time and man it was just so fun i mean it was super fun um one of the other <laughs> toys back in the 90s tiger handheld games now i actually did a poll on tiger handheld games and i was asking about which ones people had and to be honest with you people were telling me games that I didn't even know I didn't even know that it existed on this system but I will tell you some of the ones that I remember like when I played the Tiger handheld games I had like now it's crazy cuz they before they got licensed they were doing simple games and I remember one of the first games that I got for them was bowling just straight up bowling and then when they started doing Nintendo licensed stuff or let's just let's just say subsidiaries of what people license with Nintendo, like Ninja Gaiden or Double Dragon or Karnov. Like these things came out on Tiger Systems and were amazing. It was the ultimate way because we hadn't got to that point yet. Not even mentally were we thinking like, oh, I wish I could bring my Nintendo with me. Like, no, we took our cartridge if we thought somebody had a Nintendo. But you didn't even think so far ahead that you, you know, assumed somebody had a Nintendo. It would just be a waste of time bringing a cartridge to somebody's house if they didn't. But if you brought a Tiger electric game, it was almost like bringing your Nintendo system with you. It was super, super awesome. Now, I'm I I find a very divisive group of people who talk about the tiger systems. Some people say that they absolutely suck, that they are a waste of time and a waste of money. But I really believe that they were the perfect caveat to somebody who was such a huge gamer back in the day and just needed that quick fix to get from point A to point B back to C. So there you go. Um I don't know if you guys remember these. I remember these. 
uh, they were called moon shoes. Now, moon shoes were uh, they were just a stupid bit of fun. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, they were a stupid bit of fun. They were just these big uh, plastic, uh, you know, kind of shoe shaped things. They were bigger than your feet, obviously. And you strapped into them and then you were bouncing on, I believe, about three or four very thick uh, rubber band type of things. And it, I mean, you, you didn't he didn't jump very high. You, you you couldn't even get as high as a pogo stick. And I thought that was really funny to say because I had a pogo stick at the time where the moon shoes were really popular. And I used to jump next to people who wore moon shoes and just sit there and just clown the heck out of them because, yeah, they were putting all that effort into jumping around into, into pieces of plastic when I was just on this big hunking piece of coiled metal, <laughs> you know, of, of just coiled metal. So... Um, yeah, the comparison was completely different. Um, but one of the things that was kind of awesome, even though it was all plastic, was skip it. And I remember I had a skip it. And I remember the only reason I got a skip it was because that theme song was completely amazing. One of the things I'll say about the 80s into the 90s is that, um, you know, Hollywood took their time to really sell you things, and they usually sold you things through a kick-ass uh, uh, theme song. And yeah, I remember the Skip It song, and it was like hearing it all the time. I had to have it. I finally got it. Basically, it was it was one-legged jump rope. If you're just a lonely kid, and it had a little counter, and so you'd skip over this this thing that you're kind of jump you know you're you're swinging it with your ankle on one foot while you're jumping with the other foot and it's counting every time it's making its revolution and yeah you just sat there you did that and to be quite honest even think about it today that was probably the most boring game that anybody could ever invest in it probably cost about 30 40 bucks but thanks mom um uh tickle me elmo was another big toy back in the day uh, in the 90s I personally didn't have one didn't care for one I think I, I think at that time I was probably a little too old for toys like that the Ninja Turtle figures oh my goodness it's the same reaction as with the Power Rangers where uh you know the cartoon had hit and it was a big success and kids clamored to get their hands on the toys the toys hit and shelves were just always empty. Now, I was lucky enough to have every turtle, but there were some things I could never get my hands on. I got my hand on one foot soldier. I never had a shredder. I've never had a Krang. I've never had a Bebop or Rocksteady. I've had a Baxter Stockman. I've never had a Rat King. You know, like, it's, it, I can go on for days and days and days about what I didn't have versus what I did. Um, but at the end of the day, they were just some of the coolest toys. Um, little side note, another really cool uh, set of action figures back in the day were Dick Tracy action figures. I remember Dick Tracy was a really big film back in the 90s. Um, I enjoyed that film when it came out. It was a very comic-y type of movie, very Disney-ish in theme, and they came out with a toy line, and I attempted at that time as a kid, again, to collect every single character that I could and uh, and have failed miserably. Uh, G.I. Joe's 
were some of the last characters or toys that I uh, had in the 90s, and uh, those were always fun. I used to love G.I. Joes because they always had, like, stupid names. Well, I don't want to say stupid, but they were just always weird. I mean, Duke. What's a Duke? I really want to know what a Duke is. Um, <laughs> snake Eyes. Like, okay, Snake Eyes. Um, but then you got into the really weird ones, like Barbecue and Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> like, I, I, de I never knew what any of this stuff ever meant. Like, what's a Destro? Like, I, I think about this stuff all the time. I still think about it today. And I just think, man, I, I was really a crazy kid to, like, really beg my mom for something by name and have her just absolutely not understand anything about what I was asking. Please give me a Destro. Like, what's a Destro? <laughs> you know, who's General Hawk? I have no idea. Stalker, you want a stalker? No, we need to keep you away from people. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was weird, but you know, GI Joes were awesome back in the day. So, um, again, like I said, when you know, in the '90s, we were playing games, and we weren't playing games. We were outside having fun with our friends. But then, sometimes you just wanted to stay in, and you wanted to watch some TV. So, what were we watching back in the '90s? Like, we were watching so much, and honestly, like my list for shows back in the 90s is huge it's huge um i'm just gonna get right into it because i don't even feel like you know delaying anymore so uh captain planet huge tv show back in the day um it you know like that in the 90s especially the early 90s recycling was like a big thing like that was just one of those big public uh propaganda i don't want to say propaganda but i mean it's kind of like what it was but you know it was just one of those big public pushes you know, recycle, reduce, reuse, blah, blah, blah. And Captain Planet was a part of that whole campaign. And to its credit, it was a really interesting uh, and entertaining cartoon, but not as entertaining as a lot of the other ones. Just saying. Um, again, Power Rangers, super huge back in 90s, came out in 93. It hit like a ton of bricks and every kid was on. What What was really funny was that years later, when I was older, I I'd uh, figured out that that's when I started to figure things out like international and domestic because at that time I figured out that uh, Power Rangers had already been out for years and years and years um, and that it was out in Japan and they had just given us the rights to basically utilize scenes that they had filmed. So really all Power Rangers was domestically was just a big old voice dub. Um, um, one of the hugest things, uh, especially if you were, uh, you know, about 14, 15, 13, 14, 15, around this time, Goosebumps. Goosebumps was super awesome. Um, I remember Goosebumps being a, um, a book series that my brother, my younger brother used to uh, buy into. He'd buy these books. And then when they came out with the show in 95, um, I mean, it just completely correlated with those books. And I, I remember I used to watch the show and then I'd be flipping the pages like, oh, yeah, that really actually happened in the book. I mean, the books were short enough. You could finish them in like not even an hour. Um, but, man, those shows were just completely awesome. They're super campy now. If you watch them, I, I believe they have it on Netflix. Like they're so dated, but they're dated in a way to say this is totally 90s. Um, Rugrats. I don't know anybody who's ever lived through the 90s to say that Rugrats was not a entertaining cartoon. Rugrats is probably one of the best cartoons ever made. Um, definitely in my top 50. 
for sure. Um, so what else? X-Men, the animated series X-Men that uh, premiered on Fox in 1992. That show, I don't, I, I can't even like, I can't even start to imagine uh, what they thought of as far as giving kids what they wanted. Um, Cause honestly, as a kid at that time in 92, I wasn't, I mean, I was in the comics, but I didn't know much about the X-Men. Like I knew about individuals. Of course you knew about your Hulks. You knew about your Captain Americas. You knew about your Thors, but I didn't know about the X-Men. So that cartoon just hit me on like a whole different level. And to just get the fix that I did for so many years, it was such a awesome cartoon. And I'm glad that they created that. And there's a little bit of uh, controversy on how that whole show ended. You might want to look that up. Um, the Magic School Bus. Now, I know, but again, everybody had to be a little kid. So when I was younger, the Magic School Bus was a super awesome cartoon. Uh, Barney was something that was huge. Now, I'm not going to say from my experience because I've never watched Barney. But I know in the 90s, Barney was big. So there you go. One of the things I did watch, um, which is really, really funny because I actually am old enough to remember the beginning the absolute beginning of the Cartoon Network. And the Cartoon Network was a place in the beginning where they played a lot of the older cartoons. It was a place where they played a lot of the cartoons from the 50s, 60s, and the 70s. And um, they turned around and they started making their own cartoons. And one of the biggest cartoons that they ever made was Dexter's Laboratory. Dexter's Laboratory is probably one of my favorite, most joyous occasions to come home after school. Um, it was just super awesome. It was, it, I believe that it was made for an age group above when I probably was watching at the time because it came out in 95. But I feel like there was so much going over my head that if I go back and watch it, I'd say, oh, that's what you're talking about. Um, but I was also a dumb kid. So, yeah, there's that. Um, um, Doug, Doug, Doug. I mean, who doesn't talk about who doesn't who talks about the 90s and doesn't talk about Doug, right? Like Doug was one of the best Nickelodeon cartoons. And it was really cool because I remember watching it on Nickelodeon and, and then they uh, premiered it on uh, ABC domestically here in the States. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, they made it to main television, <laughs> not even thinking that Nickelodeon was on uh, was on cable. So th it was uh, it was actually kind of like a downgrade. But, you know, they, they made themselves widely available for people to experience Doug. I mean, Doug was a cool cartoon um, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if he ever is if he's ever if Doug has ever uh, been able to get uh, Patty Mayonnaise. So, um Johnny Bravo, another uh, big Cartoon Network cartoon. Uh, Bobby's World was a, <laughs> I, I know I just said a cartoon that people are just like, what? Like, what are you talking about? What's, what is Bobby's World? But it was a really, really cool cartoon. Um, what, was, what, I, what I enjoyed about the cartoon is basically it was like Psychonauts the cartoon. It was a little kid. Well, 
I could say Psychonauts, but then I could also say Muppet Babies. But Muppet Babies was something that was back in the 80s. Um, so a lot of you probably don't know that. But yeah, it was a kid. He had a big imagination. He would think about all these things and then like he'd take himself to a whole different world. And I really like the realism of the creator um, putting himself you know, in the mix of the cartoon and kind of doing the whole life lessons at the end of the show. It was really cool. It was, it was, it was kind of a send off from the way that the eighties operated because, uh, for people like, like myself who did grow up in the eighties, one of the huge things was, uh, was our one to grow on. Um, the, you know, it was kind of like a thing that a lot of cartoons took on to basically tell kids in that time, you know, stay off drugs, stay away from strangers, you know, uh, watch what you say to other people, respect other people. It was just a really cool way to just kind of teach people uh, human values, uh, which we don't have today, you know, and uh, this is something that was kind of done in Bobby's world. So, yeah, that was uh, one of the things I liked about that. Tiny Toon Adventures. Now, Tiny Toon Adventures is stupid cool because, you know, again, you think about cartoons that premiered back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, went into the 80s, like the um, like Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck and all of the other original cartoon characters. Um, Tiny Toon Adventures just brought a whole new wave of characters and situations and circumstances that had nothing to do with any of the older characters and they hit it on the head like nobody was watching tiny tunes and thinking where the heck is bugs bunny nobody cared we liked um everything that they were bringing with uh bringing to us uh with these younger uh variations of you know the the older characters and it was just super 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 cool and i just really really love me some tiny tunes um if you want to talk again about some uh, some more adults, not adult, but more teen centric shows, Erie, Indiana was a show that was mm, comparatively better than Goosebumps. I believe that it was a show that, you know, it was arguably it arguably dealt with deeper uh, circumstances. I just think it was a little more entertaining Um I felt a little more freaked out with Erie, Indi Erie Indiana um, because, again, going with Goosebumps, it was always like, you know, you're just kind of following the books. So um, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, another kind of teen sister show. A lot of you might be like, what? But it was a it was a super awesome show about two redhead kids that uh, you got, you know, one teen. I think he's probably like 13. The other was probably like eight. And they would just kind of go through life circumstances and it was just really really cool you know it's kind of a way to grow up and watch people go through what you're going through um <laughs> now here's one that everybody i don't care what age you were you could have been eight you could have been 13 you could have been 18 um but you know where you were when you were watching the fresh prince of bel-air that's a huge show that debuted in 1990 um and yeah i i love will smith um again to me being you know dating myself he was a huge rapper when i was a kid and for him to turn around and you know be, he was one of the first rappers to ever transition from one medium to another and when he went into acting and started doing the fresh prince it was just like a whole different world and i totally remember uh how awesome it was and kind of wish they would remake that show for the generation now because man we can learn some stuff um so Melissa Joan Hart did a show 
uh, called Clarissa Explains It All. But I don't think that was her best show. I mean, that was a show she did when she was really, really young. But when she did Sabrina the Teenage Witch, now that was a show that was pretty awesome. Um, I didn't watch much of it, but I definitely watched enough to give it the respect that it it definitely deserves. Um, you know, I know that they kind of rehashed Sabrina uh, on Netflix and kind of made a more darker type of uh, s- scenario and circumstance, but you know, um, it was it was fun. I mean, it was the nineties. It's, it's what it was. Um, another foray into the dark elements of you know television was are you afraid of the dark now again you know we're we're kind of stepping down 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 because i started with goosebumps and then eerie indiana was like really really kind of creepy but are you afraid of the dark was one of those shows that i literally kind of ran from the room um just like yeah i don't want to watch this um even though even though it came out before um it came out before both shows well it came out at the same it came out at the same time that Erie Indiana did and Goosebumps came out after but you know even to watch reruns of Are You Afraid of the Dark around the time the Goosebumps came out in 95 it was just like yeah no I can't like I could watch a whole lot of this but I cannot watch any of that so um if we're kind of talking about some entertainment then I know another big uh, show that was really cool was all that on Nickelodeon. I'm talking about a lot of Nickelodeon shows. Nickelodeon was just big back in the 90s. That was just one of the hugest places. I mean, they had all that. They had Keenan and Kel. Um, I don't know if any of you guys remember some of their game shows. They had Guts. Uh, they had Legends of the Hidden Temple. They had um, Picture That. And they had Nick Arcade. These were just stupid awesome shows that uh they filmed at universal studios florida and they probably picked out random people who were just walking by just whatever but what was always funny well it wasn't even always funny to me because it just became funny to me i actually was gonna lie but no it just became funny to me because i realized that that if you ever look at like what they say oh the grand prize is the grand prize is always a trip to universal studios florida and I said to myself, just yesterday as I was doing my research for this, I said, they're already there. <laughs> like, they're already there. So, like, you're just basically you're basically giving them a refund for their tickets. That's all you're really doing. You're just making the, the you're making the experience that they're having today free. That's it. But uh, not a lot of people think about that like that. And it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, all that. Kenan and Kel was big. Um, now, on the more serious edge, well, not even really serious, kind of quirky, a, a cool way to learn science. What am I talking about? Bill Nye the Science Guy. Like, Bill Nye the Science Guy was huge, and I remember, like, just all the little quirky points to learn some of the simplest uh, aspects of science and physics, and it was just really, really cool. And I actually really love and appreciate the fact that he is still very, very relevant uh, in today's society um than he was back when he was just a character on tv to entertain people so that's kind of cool um from the disney aspect uh we had goof troop uh we had uh dark wing duck you know and also not disney but you know something that was uh brought out in the 90s pokemon who would have thought right 
Um, we also had, uh, if you're uh, into the more um, risque, well, I don't want to call it risque. I mean, it was just it was just more edgy. It was more edgy cartoons, um, and that would be Beavis and Butthead, and it would also be uh, one of my favorite edgy cartoons, uh, Ren and Stimpy. So yeah, those were super cool. If you don't know what Ren and Stimpy is, please, 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 please stop this. Stop this episode. Go to YouTube, look up Ren and Stimpy, and just be delighted in your entire life. Um, the last three that I'm going to mention are probably going to be the anchors for what the 90s were in, in shows. You ready? Here we go. My first one is going to be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now, hear me out. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a movie that had come out before the show. But this was the first time that we had gotten a show that had become immensely more popular than the movie that preceded it. Sarah Michelle Gellar um, was Buffy. And this really, you know allowed her star to rise as big as it did but outside of that i mean it was just a great show and it spawned different series so you can't really deny the importance of buffy the vampire slayer back in the 90s um one of the other shows and this is kind of a well-rounded show um for everyone is the x-files i mean the x-files was basically um it was basically Twilight Zone. Just every episode was about aliens and super not not supernatural, but um, the extraterrestrial aspect. And that's cool. You know, um, Mulder and Scully. I mean, those names are just synonymous with 90s, you know, action drama. And everybody that I know back when tuned in to see the x-files you know you don't you don't know the 90s unless you know the x-files so you know there's that um and the last one that i will mention this is like the pinnacle of the 90s like you can't say you are a 90s kid and have not seen this and if you do please talk to me and tell me how you missed this it is batman the animated series batman the animated series is quite arguably one of the best animations ever created ever created i don't care about decades i don't care about time i care about right now i'm telling you batman the animated series is the best animation ever created we're not just talking style or dialogue or it's just the facts Batman the Animated Series is the best animation ever created. Look it up. I mean, I, I don't I don't even I don't even want to divulge anything because it does a disservice to talk about anything beyond saying that it's the best. Like a person really has to take advantage of a show like that. I wish that was on Netflix because so many people will watch that show. It's so good. It's such a good show. And it was, it, you know, for me as a kid, 
this was one of those shows that ushered me in to becoming the teenager that I became. It was it 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 literally stepped me into that because it dealt with it dealt with things, you know, and it dealt with things with a very familiar character, the Batman. So, with all that that we're doing, I mean, we've been playing with our toys, we've been playing video games, and we've been watching a whole lot of TV. I'm getting kind of hungry. <laughs> I'm getting kind of thirsty. So, what were we eating and what were we drinking? Now, this list ain't big, but I just wanted to kind of, I'm just going to run through rapid fire on some questionable, but, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, pretty fun foods and snacks and whatnots in the 90s so uh yeah crystal pepsi maybe none of you know about that dunkaroos i remember dunkaroos bubble beepers bubble beepers were really stupid because basically pagers and beepers were really popular back in the 90s and kids wanted them so you open it up and it was sticks of gum and they all had little stupid messages on them and it was really just retarded um gushers the fruit snacks they were really cool i enjoyed gushers um lunchables were huge back in the 90s if you didn't eat lunchables when you were in school you probably weren't you you were looked at as deprived if you didn't have Lunchables and, and, and here's the whole thing. Like, yeah, you had your Turkey and you had your ham and whatever, but it really got real when the pizza came out. Cause when the pizza came out, if you didn't have that, then yeah, you just weren't a kid. <laughs> like you need to get lost. Uh, so yeah, Lunchables were really awesome. Um, squeeze it. I don't know how many of you remember squeeze it. Squeeze it were some really awesome drinks until they started making like, really crazy flavors i don't know like um i like their basic stuff and then like blue came along and blue was like their their wild flavor but then they just started doing all this other stuff and it just got weird so um bagel bites like yeah when we were playing games and we were playing especially around snes and moving into the playstation and whatever like what quick better way to get your fix and get your food and this is kind of before hot pockets you got your bagel bites you got your little pieces of bagel with your cheese on it with your little diced pepperoni and you were set and it was just like pop them go and let's play and they were awesome um for the little kids in the 90s y'all were eating you guys were eating kid cuisine kid cuisine was uh you know tv tv dinners big thing back in the 50s in its inception and it kind of rocked the uh 90s uh again you know with the introduction of like hungry man dinners uh being a bigger thing back then uh marie calendar dinners were super huge back in the 90s um you know like with their chicken pot pies and and everything uh in that sort um but yeah kid cuisine it was just kind of a way to just kind of give kids a little bit of what they want without having to pull into mcdonald's at the drive-thru so they got their chicken nuggets with their little bit of fudge brownie and their you know green beans to eat for some healthy veggies and yeah it was a penguin for a mascot who doesn't like penguins i don't like penguins you like penguins but uh, <laughs> um one of my last little uh <laughs> One of my last little snacks was uh, the shark bites. Those were always so fun. And I remember as a kid, I just got so bought into this idea 
of these different pieces of fruit snacks shaped like different sharks. So you had your tiger shark and your hammerhead shark, and then you had your great white. So you had to get those little white sharks, and you're just like, yeah, I'm I'm cool because I'm eating all these great white sharks. But yeah, it's just you know, again, just being a crazy stupid kid. Um, <laughs> so okay, with all that, what about um, what about some movies? How about some movies? So watch a lot of TV, you know, eating a lot of eating a lot of fruit snacks and drinking a lot of Crystal Pepsi and Orbits and all that other stuff, probably some high C ecto cooler. What are we watching as far as movies? So, um, again, another fast rapid fire Forrest Gump, super huge movie back in the nineties, Jurassic Park, really, really big in the nineties. Edward Scissorhands, probably one of Johnny Depp's best movies outside of Pirates of the Caribbean, but that can be argued. Um, a Nightmare Before Christmas, not one of my favorites, but I know a lot of people love this movie. Uh, Schindler's List, it is a very grounded movie that I feel like every single person needs to take advantage of and see to understand historically some of the things that we have gone through as people. Um, it is a very good film, and I think that every single person needs to uh, needs to see it. They absolutely do. Um, the Big Lebowski. Um, you know, a lot of people reference. I think a lot of references that we still use today have come from just that one movie. Just that one movie, The Big Lebowski. Um, Goodfellas, one of my favorite gangster flicks. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've never seen a Scarface. Okay. I really am into Martin Scorsese. I think what he does as a director is absolute genius. I love the Irishman that he did on uh, Netflix. I love Casino. And I absolutely love Goodfellas. Point Break. Uh, Point Break was... Another huge film, um, nice kind of action-y drama kind of film uh, that people should check out. Um, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Uh, this was uh, this was Jim Carrey's first real foray outside of uh, the show that generally made him a star in Living Color. And uh, yeah, this just set him on a path to just do some great things and he has released so many so many so many good things uh outside of outside of the pet detective but this is a classic and there again there's so much to reference from um you know that movie that people still have resonate with them today um and <laughs> this now this is probably the most 90s film that i will mention okay and it is Wayne's World. Wayne's World, one of my favorite 90s films of all times. Um, I think it's the best film that Mike Myers has ever done. Um, again, an arguable point. People will sit there and they will bring up so many different points of Mike Myers' professionalism in different films and how he's portrayed different types of characters. Wayne's World was the best. I'm sorry. Um, and in closing... 
I kind of want to talk about just those random little ticks as far as like the 90s. What are those little random kind of kind of just things kind of laying around in the 90s? Um, so in the 90s, randomly, you know, I'll just mention, did you ever have like a disc man <laughs> made with made from Sony? And uh, I think Discman were like really, really funny because Discman were like, you know, it was a new wave of getting away from the Walkman, but they skipped terribly. And then they used to bring out their variations with their skip protection, which still didn't work. So a lot of times you just found yourself with with uh, portable disc players just kind of sitting in one area. Um, it wasn't until like later in the lifespan of, of portable players that they had gotten, you know, uh, efficient enough to be carried sideways to kind of, you know, uh, have your arms waving around and, you know, be able to play and not skip around. So, um, yeah, Discman. Um, how about the Magic Eye Illusion books? Remember those? Um, <laughs> I was actually pretty good at those books. I didn't have to strain so much in order to see the uh, the images that there were. I remember teachers used to have um, the the uh, actual uh, photographs that were on their wall, and those were super cool. And I used to just enjoy them. And then they came out with a book, and uh, I, you know, I really did that book a disservice because I, I had my mom go out and buy the book for me and I completely just decimated the book because I could because I got to the point where like I could literally just turn pages and see it with instant, you know, effect. It was just like instant. I could just see it. Now, that could be a testament to my, me being a cross eyed kid, but I don't think so. I think it was just I was that good. Um, there was also. um America Online. Now, I think it's something missing from online because we're all getting online and we're all getting our information and doing what we have to do. But, you know, you really don't feel online unless you hear that voice that says you've got mail. That was probably one of the best things that I used to hear back in the day. And it was because this was before this was at the time where snail mail was out because you didn't care for waiting for something with a stamp, but spam didn't exist. So when you got mail, it was legit going to be from somebody that you cared about, you know? So that was always super cool. It was always super cool to like hear that you got mail and then you look at the number by the mailbox that was open with the letters flooding out and then it'll be like three or four or five or 10. And you're just like, Oh my goodness, this is a great day. And yeah, it's, it was a slower means of communication, but is it really so bad? Probably not. I miss those days. It is what it is. Um, how about this? I mentioned it in candy, but here's the real life part. Beepers and pagers. Those were super huge back in the 90s. And I remember as a kid, I wanted one. I actually went out and got one. It's the first time I actually went out and got a subscription service for anything. I had a little green pager and I had no friends, so nobody was paging me. I was in my room paging myself just so I could see that stupid little machine beep on my hip. I probably took it to school twice and never did again. <laughs> pagers um 
blockbuster video. That's another thing that I just feel like, you know, in the experience of humanity, we 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 probably shouldn't have been so quick as to see it ushered out of history. I mean, because that was just an experience. I mean, Friday night, your parents get home, paychecks are cashed, bills are paid, kids are home, homework's done, dinner's done, everyone's fed. You still got some hours to go and you don't have to go to bed tonight. What do you do? You get in the car and you go to Blockbuster. And it was one of those places that it wasn't just quick in and out. When you were a kid, you caroused. You just went through. You went up and down every single aisle. And you just looked at every single thing that was available. And it was just so awesome. And most of the time, again, as kids, especially as a gamer kid, it was really cool to, like, go and think that you could rent games that you may never own. Because one of the other things, and this is just kind of a side point um, to growing up in the 90s, because and and I and I'm not saying this as far as like children are concerned. I'm saying this to adults because maybe some adults don't remember. But as a kid, it was a lot different how we function as far as video games. Like a lot of us as adults, we can sit there every week and we can say, "Oh, this came out. I'll just grab that. This comes out. I'll just grab that. I'll just grab everything that just comes out." When we were kids, if you don't remember, we got like one game a year, two if we were lucky three if we had a good report card and that's being spoiled like me i probably got like i like i said i probably got two games a year one for my birthday one for christmas and then there was the bonus of like i said two other factors one being your friends at school where you could say okay You have G.I. Joe, the Atlantis factor. I have Mega Man 2. We both want to trade. Let's trade games and we'll borrow for a week. Or you went to Blockbuster. And you got to play games that maybe your friends didn't have. Or maybe you didn't have anybody to ask if they had a game for you to borrow. Blockbuster was just awesome that way. And of course, as a kid, you didn't really care about lay fees and stuff. You didn't really think about all that. I don't know how many kids out there today probably still have games that they rented from Blockbuster that have incurred charges that they have never paid. But again, it was just a sign of the times. And it was a great time to be a kid, teen, an adult, anything when blockbuster video existed if you don't know what blockbuster video is you are sorely deprived our next thing is uh <laughs> this is kind of funny so when you went to school uh you know there were certain things that you needed to have now i know as an as an urban inner city kid for us it was always about having jordans Okay, it was about having starter jackets with uh, 
with popular teams, never our favorite teams, because I could never wear my favorite team on a jacket, but it had to be popular teams. So popular teams at the time were the, you know, in the 90s were the Chicago Bulls or the uh, Oakland Raiders, maybe the Kansas City Chiefs, um, may, even the, even the, uh, the uh, Charlotte Hornets were a big popular team back in the 90s. Probably didn't play worth a darn, but they were very popular and people wore those things. Um, but one of the other things that was really, really popular back in the day was Lisa Frank. <laughs> now, I know I just said that name and you probably were just like, who the heck is Lisa Frank? So let me tell you who Lisa Frank is. Lisa Frank uh, articulated notebooks and school supplies and would make uh, would have a line of these uh school items that were just very very fancy and usually it was about it was for the girls so like they'd get a uh, notebook with uh two cute kittens on them and they'd it'd be decked out in glitter and just colors and just so fancy and just so awesome and i know that every single girl in the 90s asked her mom please 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 make sure i have a lisa frank folder <laughs> or notebook in my bag on the first day of school Lisa Frank, if you didn't have it, you probably were lame. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, it was a big thing. Um, one of the other things that was huge, huge, huge um, and significant back in the 90s was the uh, Doc Martens, the uh, Doc Martin combat boots. That's just kind of like combat boots because they weren't really for combat, but they were a style. And a lot of uh, kids who listened to punk and rock and metal wore them and it was really intimidating as a kid looking at all these people in these boots because you figured they could kick the mess out of me and so i was always scared anytime i saw anybody in doc martens now doc martens have uh built up a very nostalgic sense and people still wear them today um and they have grown to, to come out in different variations. Like now they have different styles, different colors. Back then, it was all about just the black. It was the black with the yellow stitching, with the really um, the really high soles. And yeah, it made people like three inches taller, which was always frightful when you're a short kid <laughs> in high school. And yeah, you thought, like I said, you thought somebody's going to kick the mess out of you. So uh, Doc Martens kind of a bane of my existence and a fuel for my nightmares. Um, um, one of the other significant things in the 90s, and this is more on a serious note, um, this is probably the most pivotal thing in the 90s outside of uh, the O.J. Simpson trial and outside of Rodney King. Um, I'm going to just, I'll say it's probably the most significant thing in the 90s, and it's the death of Kurt Cobain. Um uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys honestly, I had no idea who Kurt Cobain was when he passed. But I can tell you the level of significance that his passing affected on people that were around me. There were people crying daily. And I, I couldn't understand, like it didn't resonate with me for one. And 
I couldn't contextually understand. I, I used to come to school like, why are these people crying? Why are people hugging? Why are people so sad? Who the hell is Kurt Cobain? I didn't know. It took me. It took me a few more decades after high school to realize the amazing talent that that man was. And I feel double unfortunate. I feel I feel unfortunate that I came up in a time where people really stood in their own corners and just did their own thing and grooved their own groove. And I don't think that that makes anybody any better. I wish that the open culture that we have today, with some exceptions, of course, but I wish that at the time we were more open amongst each other to share the values of what we deemed important as individuals. Because again, I grew up and who was ever going to tell me about a Kurt Cobain? Nobody. <laughs> it was never anybody's responsibility to tell me about Kurt Cobain. You know, it wasn't until the late 90s early 2000s that I heard my first alternative band in corn and I credit that not just to the person but I credit listening to that band along with a lot of other things that were happening in my life at the time to the expansion of my mind you know because I had a friend who put me on the corn. My brother, you know, he was listening to Marilyn Manson at the time, did not care two licks about what anybody thought about him. And these are things that spoke volumes to me. So, again, thinking fast forward and thinking like it wasn't until like, I'll be honest with you guys. I just learned what I just learned about the song in bloom. Like not even a month ago. And it's probably one of the most awesome songs I've ever heard. For years after I'd learned who Kurt Cobain was, I would say, oh, yeah, it smells like Teen Spirit. I could just, you know, that that's all day, every day. Anybody who I'm trying to impress that's that's a different color than me, I'll mention that song and they'll just think I'm so rock and roll. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not, not at all. So, yes, I, I totally understand and know um who Kurt Cobain is um I understand the challenges that he dealt with um as a person you know in in a time that you know let's be honest it was very challenging for him and you know this is one of those instances where I just say the time that he was I I I'd be selfish by saying he didn't belong in the 90s, I'd be really selfish because I think that his impact at the time affected a lot of people in a more positive way that allowed people to be 
as strong as they are in this time as adults. Um, but I would definitely say that this time today, right now, we definitely need a Kurt Cobain without question. And um, that's the 90s, man. Like, that's really everything in a nutshell. It was a whole lot. And, you know, it was justifiably so. I think in the 90s, we as a society and we as people, we really figured out where we were, what we wanted to do and how we wanted to express ourselves. And there's so many more examples of the 90s that I didn't bring up or reference. And with that, if you have anything that you feel like you want to bring attention to, message me. You guys can hit me up. I'm on Twitter. You guys can uh, message me at more TA podcast. Um, that's more TA podcast. And that's my uh, handle on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. And I'd love to have a dialogue about the 90s and what made them awesome, what made them suck, what made it hard, what made it pretty freaking cool. Um, anything that you want to talk about. And it doesn't even have to be the 90s. I mean, if you feel like there's some dialogue that you want to have with me, I'm a pretty open person and I really do enjoy uh, talking to everybody about every single thing. So um, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode um you know i really enjoyed going down this uh this you know mem memory lane you know I, I i really took this in a way to remind myself of the awesomeness of when i grew up and when i was a kid and uh came into you know being a teenager and you know ultimately forming into the person that i am today and i think without that without any of what i've mentioned today um, I'd only be a fraction of myself. So, um, again, hopefully you enjoyed. Um, with that being said, I think we can end it there. I'm looking forward to uh, getting with you guys next week and having another awesome episode. Um, with that being said, do me that favor. You guys already know it. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.